All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to Real Life, a podcast from the Nation Network. I got 50, I got 50 for days. Brought to you by Finning Canada, the parts you need when you want them. We return on the Real Life Podcast, brought to you by Finning Canada. The right parts for your equipment, all the parts you need in one place. I'm Jason Greger, former NHLer. Heyo. Jason Strudwick, former... Nothing. Division, what did you say, eight? Pee-wee oh, player? 15. 15. Yeah. Am I coming in loud? I can't quite tell how all this fancy equipment works. Yeah, you're fine. Can you hear me? Huh? Is that unprofessional to ask? No. No. Yes. I feel like it's really gritty and like, yeah, behind the scenesy type stuff. Like, it's really good content, Gregor. People like that kind of stuff. Is that what your research tells you? You know what? I don't want to talk about anything about my research because you have lied to me and you have brought me to these studios under false pretenses today. No, I didn't. Yes, that you is, did. That is incorrect. It yes, is it completely is incorrect. erroneous. No, I'm <laughs> sitting on the Instagram's word of the week. I'm erroneous. on the social medias as you do, and all of a sudden it starts lighting up like a Christmas tree because you told me Jordan Airbly's on the show today. And then me and all my friends talked about how Jordan Airbly's going to be on the show today, and now I get here and it's about Swedish coaching and how to run a swarm defense, and it's not. Jordan well, first of all, it's not about running a swarm defense. It's not about Swedish coaching either. Um, that was but rude. It is actually, we are going to talk to a guy who's, who just won a World Cup. Jordan Everly? Sweden. No. Now, I, go back and read the tweet and my text. I said, yeah. we just confirmed Everly's on the podcast. I didn't say the day. Well, I just assumed it just, would be immediately. Well, no, he had his stag. We got to give him a week to recover. He's on his stag? Well, he was. Not, oh. not, yeah, I don't know what you call it. Yeah, he's getting married. Yeah, stag. Yeah, stag, sure. <laughs> That's what you call it. Yeah. I don't know what else you could possibly call it. So, yeah. no. so, so you be, tried. I thought he was coming us. here the day after no. his stag. No, well, it's no. impossible. No, no one can come on here yeah. a day from after his stag. Yeah, on his stag. <laughs> we tried to get that, but unfortunately, yeah, we, <laughs> we, could, we couldn't negotiate. That would be a good interview. Yeah. On his stag. Hey, why don't you just call us from like 
an hour or two <laughs> yeah. into your stay. <laughs> What's the sound? Because then the we could have some real truths. Yeah, exactly. That would be great. So no, no, we okay. have a, we have a fantastic coach Fair on enough. the show because uh, something maybe people don't know, and I know Wanda, you're a big guy who likes to watch uh, different types of um, TED talks. Yeah, oh yeah, I love TED talks. Thing. Well, basically, uh, in the uh, in the hockey coaching world, they have like a TED conference going on. Okay. Next week, mm-hmm. and so here in uh, town. Uh, no, it's in Vancouver. Okay. But uh, coaches fly in from all over, and they rotate around. It's been Toronto and Vancouver, different cities, coming to Edmonton at different times. So cool. uh, lots of different uh, NHL coaches uh, at different levels, guys who have coached in different countries come in, like uh, Jim Pack, a former NHLer. Uh, you know, he's uh, with the Korean national team, so he's there kind of talking about developing the sport in a new place. And then you have guys like Glenn Gullitson and Ray Ferraro, former player, talks about you know giving back to the game through coaching Craig Cunningham, of course, who, who, you know, just overcame a huge health scare. Uh, he's one of the uh, presenters, the impact of coaches as a player. And uh, our guest today on the show will be uh, Todd Woodcroft, who is an assistant coach of the Winnipeg Jets. Of course, a uh, brother of uh, Oders assistant coach, Jay Woodcroft. Their other brother, Craig, uh, has uh, one, you know, he's been all over, just as in, Swi- in Switzerland now. Oh, Switzerland, so, yes. Yeah, so they've uh, pretty, uh, pretty deep ingrained coaching fraternity so yeah he's going to join us right now is that okay yeah no that's fine that's fine i'm sure he's done a wonderful job and his brothers are very accomplished just you know i don't think any of them were 14 for the others for the last six odd years next time just before you get too excited and here's the thing why are you so excited about having everly like you're all like i don't like jordan everly anymore i'm all Connor mcdavid like you broke up with the guy and now suddenly you're disappointed that you don't get to see him but i'm doing amazing and i feel like he's gonna come on the show and i'll be like hey man how's it going you know you're not an oiler anymore maybe we could have a you know conversation or start up like a detective agency together or something like exciting and you know and now all my hopes and dreams are dashed for another week but that's fine i've been waiting seven years i'll make it work maybe you could see if you're a better actor than him a better actor than him. Yeah, like who, who are, are you, Nancy Drew? Why are you starting a detective agency with I just someone? thought it would be like something fun we could do together this and like not, build around it, you know? I'm actually with you. I'm actually with uh, you, Greg's. You dropped Jordan Eberle. Yeah. No, dropped them. Dropped is a bit of You a, dropped them. Well, yeah, you broke You up. have a new friend. We were, we Did were, you collect his hair in the last year? <laughs> not one follicle. Exactly. So you dropped <laughs> Okay. We, we were at a barbecue, uh, the three of us together. You didn't have an Eberle jersey on. No. You were cheating on him. I was wearing a, a a McDavid jersey on Canada Day. I thought that was pretty ignorant. It was funny. I have to tell this story. My son, when we when we got there, he saw you wearing that jersey. My son said, "Dad, why is that gentleman wearing a hockey jersey yeah, in the summer?" Exactly. I said, "That's a good question." Bless son. your heart, because the doctors haven't given him his right pills for the month. <laughs> no, I was sitting there with all the boys, and they're like, "You have to wear something that's Canadian." I'm like, I, "What am I like a? I don't have like a a flag store in my basement. I have not, I right. don't have any Canadian jerseys." Right. But I figured Connor McDavid on the verge of signing a seven billion dollar, oh. three hundred year contract was a Canadian thing to do. Money, 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 money. That's sad though that he called me out. I kind of feel your children are extraordinarily unbeha- well behaved. By the well, way. thank you. We really enjoyed our time there. Very like, good times. Like, a Strudwick walks up to you, Gregor, and, and if there's a parent nearby, it's look him in the eye, shake him, and say your full name. Yeah, exactly. That's how it should be. It's incredible. It's like meeting a general in the military. I was bowing, well, presenting them with gifts. You know, good parenting is similar to kind of like good coaching. Oh, good segue. But we we yeah. will find out. Uh, our, our next guest uh, joins us. Well, actually, our only guest of the show today. Mm. Todd Woodcroft, he is an assistant coach with the uh, Winnipeg Jets, and uh, he will be uh, one of the presenters uh, coming up at the uh, hokey, hockey, not hokey, the hockeycoachesconference.com. <laughs> it's in Vancouver in a few weeks' time, 10 days in fact. And it's basically like a TED Talks conferences for all sorts of coaches. So if you're a coach or even if you're a, a parent who wants to learn about coaching, you should take part in this. Uh, Todd, we happy to have you on. How are you doing? 
Hey, gentlemen, how are you doing today? Excellent. Now, we'll get to the conference in a second, but you got your brother, Craig, who's in Switzerland now. You're assistant coach with the Jets. Uh, Jay, of course, is assistant coach with the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Are you guys allowed to, like, have coaching talks, or is everything secretive? <laughs> it makes for some interesting times around uh, around the house, and uh, especially with Jay, who doesn't like to tell me anything, as far as I know. <laughs> right now he's up at a uh, grammar rodeo conference or something in Alberta. He didn't even tell me that they have their rookie camp. So <laughs> makes it for some interesting times. I got to ask the why. I mean, you guys all play, but is it, what's in the Woodcroft DNA that programs you guys to be coaches at very high levels? I think it all started uh, from our dad, who was a goalie uh, back before they had masks, and that explains <laughs> Quite a lot in our house, uh, and he he instilled a, a pretty good uh, respect for the for coaching part. He coached all the way up and had a lot of guys that had come through uh, his teams and guys my older brother played with. And I guess we just all weren't good enough to to be playing. So if you can't play, then uh, then you coach. So it's uh, it's been it's been been real rewarding for all three of us. So I want to get to kind of you know the rewarding part of coaching and. You know, we'll talk maybe specifically about what you're going to present at uh, next weekend. And I guess maybe why you got involved with this. Why do you feel that the uh, the, the coaching conference is so important to, to get out there, to, to be accessible for coaches at every other level to come and listen to guys like yourself and, and Glenn Gullitson and Jim Pact and, um, you know, Steve Smith and Brad Shaw. And then even guys like Ray Farrar, who's not currently coaching, but talks about just the importance of giving back, even volunteering at the minor league level. I think if you're not learning, you're not getting better. And any time I've had the the fortune to attend a conference, this one here, the Team Snap one, then it's been it's been a, a chance for me to get smarter, me to get better, uh, learn little things. Like there was the NHL Coaching Association one last week in Chicago. You get to sit and listen to guys like Barry Trotz speak or Kevin Deneen, and you, you pick up little tiny details and and. Just things to make yourself better. Hopefully, you bring to your own teams. And I know when you get a couple hundred youth coaches coming in and professional coaches coming in, and and really just sharing ideas and just sharing some experiences, I think it's better for everybody. So I, I personally love going to them. I used to go to them all the time uh, as a young coach and got better. And then luckily, I've been able to speak at a few too. So it's, it's for me, it's awesome. I love it. You know, I got a chance to go. I was invited over to uh, the World Championships in Sweden, in Stockholm, and to present uh, at, a, at a coaches' conference similar to this, just about you know the transition for European players coming to Canada from a player's perspective, or to North America, I should say. And you know what? I went there, and I thought, oh, this will be pretty cool. I could not leave that room. I there was so many interesting speakers talking about for hockey from all from from Turkey to uh, you know Greece to all these different places. The challenges they faced, they had questions going back and forth. Like I can only imagine the the exchange of ideas that happens, you know, from a presenter like yourself or or, or uh, different people showing. But then afterwards, you know, that the breaks, maybe a couple of beers yeah. after the, the, the after the events over. I mean, that is to me this. I would love to come to this event and talk to a lot of these people. It'd be amazing the learning. Yeah, I think for Struds especially, it, it, I think people were trying to figure out how you got paid to play instead of tell you over there. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah, that could be a conference <laughs> well, into I, itself. I, did you see my stat line? It was pretty impressive. I think I had like a point three points per average game, which I think for a defensive guy is not I bad. I saw it? you play there. That's the best part. So I think uh, I think if anyone came to the games, they actually gave you the ticket to the coaching conference there too. So yeah. <laughs> I think the, uh, I think uh, especially those European ones. Like I, I've. I've been in a few of them over there and uh, yeah. done some stuff for the IHF, and it's it's actually amazing. Just like you said, like you get some guy from the hockey hotbed of uh, Greece 
yes. talking to you about something where you're just like, you know what, that actually makes sense. Or people who have rule change ideas and and again, it, it really is a global a global game, and, and the, the village is small of coaches, and you get people. From, I, I met some from some gentlemen from Iceland. Yeah, you know, the IIHF one. I'm like, oh my god, I'm speaking to some guy from Reykjavik who's who's talking to me about something, and it was it was really cool. Well, you're exactly right. I, I think it's uh, so rewarding for everybody who gets a chance to go. Do you think it would have been a stronger uh, presentation if I'd have shown some of my highlights? Is that what I'm hearing from you, Todd? <laughs> Well, actually, they were actually trying to figure out how to get the Zamboni to come across the divots in the ice. How heavy you were on the, on the white ice over there in that in that dark rink in Sartalia. That's what they're they're still trying to get her going. So you've been you've been to Sartalia? Yeah, I actually, I lived uh, I lived right outside there in uh, in Michael Samuelson's house when I was working uh, for the Kings over there. Uh, really, a tiny town called Nukvarn, which is uh, the Las Vegas of Sartalia. So. I got a chance to to be over there and see. Yeah, no, it's great. The, the Swedish community is great. I've, obviously, I've had some uh, some pretty good fortune with the Swedes and have been able to even learn from them. Like, and being a chance to learn how they do skill development, how they encourage their young players, their young D. They're not allowed to rim pucks. They're not allowed to put pucks off glass, and and that's why their young D have developed such like there's such a strength of swedish young d who are stars but it starts because their program has the courage to tell their coaches you're not allowed to yell at your d if he makes a mistake and he's holding on a puck on a forecheck you're not allowed to you're not allowed to yell at them we want to encourage them the skills we want to encourage them to learn how to evade to feel a guy off your hip pocket to look for that second support or whatever and that's why specifically in sweden they they're developing their players so so well so having seen a lot of players then all around the world and looked at a lot of different systems i just want to back up because i think your carving strud's pretty good there for a little bit what would the <laughs> scouting report have been on jason strudwick maybe in his heyday no, and it, then maybe towards the end because i wasn't old enough to watch it, tv in those days i don't think i ever saw you well, play live well, the black the black and white would have probably helped it out but i think if you black, yeah had, uh, yeah makes sense you know if you would have said pivots with a question mark it might have said divots <laughs> next to sure even to start italia like i thought i was i mean i'm being dead i thought i was pretty good there you know what luckily you had the reach that you could go across both both sets of the both sets of the boards there and you took a couple guys heads up abnormally long arms i've been thinking about yeah so you didn't recommend me to the the team to bring me back for the next year is that what you're going back for a hall of fame induction and now we're talking to somebody who actually witnessed the mess right yeah Yeah. oh no who said hall of fame i didn't say the the bulgarian hall of fame or whatever it was the overseas hall of fame hungary hungarian hall of fame yeah come on now that's not jeez I loved that philosophy. Don't ring the puck around the boards and, you know, tape to tape passes, direct passing. And as somebody who's coached all around, you know, and and seen so many different philosophies on it, is Canadian coaching changing? Are are we getting more to say, okay, let's stop going to certain things that we really preached in the 70s and 80s. And if we really talk about puck possession, it has to start with seven-year-olds. And it's okay to make a mistake passing the puck rather than just hammer it off the boards. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I agree because I think at some point in the past 15 years or 20 years, uh, decision makers figured out that they didn't have all the answers. Like as a Canadian growing up, we just assumed that we were the best and we, and really we, we usually were, but other people have caught up other countries and federations have caught up other countries and federations are putting the same amount into development. So that's actually pushed 
the people at heart to learn other ways to motivate their coaches, to provide other ways for their coaches to get better. It wasn't just like, here's a video and you guys can coach like this. It's you had the best coaches in the world, guys like Mike Babcock and Quinville and Scotty Bowman, obviously, and Jacques Lemire and those guys influencing coaches who are coming from behind them and, and teaching them. So I know with Babcock, he has a great expression of R&D. It's a coaching is all about R&D, and people assume it's research and development, but it's really robbing and doing. So you're able to see what other coaches are doing and take it and then do it yourself. So And Mike would be the first guy to tell you that. So I think when Hockey Canada had that real smart decision to learn how to evolve their own game and make the Canadian game even better, I think that's made all the Canadian coaches better. And, and actually other federations too, because the amount of sharing between federations, it's pretty good. Like the Swedish model is real good. The Finnish model is real good. The Russian guys are borrowing from the Swedes and Finns and putting their own stamp on it. So it's pretty good. You're seeing coaches learn from everybody all over the world. Todd Woodcroft joining us on the Real Life Podcast. He, of course, is an assistant coach with the Winnipeg Jets and will be a presenter coming up in Vancouver next weekend where they have the Hockey Coaches Conference. You can check it out at hockeycoachesconference.com. I know you're going to be presenting on the importance of face-offs and how to teach them. And, you know, and I'm, you know, we're talking, obviously, at younger levels, but you can obviously work at it even with NHL players. So let's start at a younger age. What are some things coaches out there need to be aware of when they're instructing on how to take a face-off correctly? I think uh, the first thing you got to talk about with a face-off, and, and actually the Canadian discussion we're having is pretty germane to it here because we've made it important. So usually the best face-off uh, guys in the world are North American players who have figured out that it really is important. It's the first, it's the first line of offense. It's the first line of defense. It really it's the only controlled environment you can have in a game. You know, you could say a, you know, a shootout or a penalty shot or whatever, but in an actual game, it's the only controlled environment you have. So you have a chance to start with the puck. So you, you had players like, you know, the Peter Zezels and the Brindamores and those guys who figured out a niche, the Paul Gostads, a, a niche of being a face-off specialist. And teams, they started to employ those guys. So it's an actual skill that you can work on. So if you have young players, I think the first thing that she or he needs to understand is that it's important. It's really the ultimate one-on-one battle in a game. You give your team the chance to start with a puck, or if you're losing one, you, have a team, you give your team a chance not to start with a puck, which could end up in some serious trouble for your team. So applicable-wise, that means that on a power play, you have a chance to get a shot off quick, or on a penalty kill, you can get a face-off win and clear it down the ice and kill 20 seconds. So as you show your young players uh, the importance of it, I think they're going to gravitate to the role of trying to win a face-off. I think specifically to answer the question, like young players and, and even I know what we do in Winnipeg with our guys who are also pretty young, uh, is to teach them that you need to be in straight lines. You need to really be breathing to come in understanding that if you don't like what you can, you see, we try and teach our center in Winnipeg that the dot is almost like a reset button. You don't like what you see, step back out and then make the other guy uncomfortable. So when you come into that battle, you're dictating the terms of the battle. And then really, as anybody would tell you, like it's, it's really about being as quick as you can to the puck. So there's a lot of different tricks you can do and skills you can work on. You know, if you saw guys like Manny Malhotra and the guys who were elite <laughs> At face-offs, guys now like Ryan Kessler, 
how they actually practice at it all the time. So we're hoping in Winnipeg and maybe if anyone's coming and, and not falling asleep in my presentation, I'll see that it's something that you can work on daily. You know, it's funny because there's there's a lot of pressure at all levels, but specifically the NHL, where we talk about faceoffs, and there are those that feels they're they're not that important because you know eventually you get the puck back, and there are those that see it's really important. You know, where where do you kind of fall into that that mindset? And I'm guessing it's 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 one more than the other. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 for me, it's it's a big part of my job. So, I sat in the NHL Coaching Association meeting last week, and Barry Trotz presented about faceoff, and he had a lot of data supporting that it really isn't as important as you think but i know for me it's something that i care about and it's something i pour sure. my heart and soul into every single day and i track every single face off our guys do and our face off guys every single day we revisit the important face offs we pre-scout opponents so for me i'm probably the wrong guy to ask because it's of yeah, utmost importance to me i know the data would say you know eventually you get the puck back but there are a lot of goals that come off of just winning it off the power play. Or for me, it's about momentum. You want to start the period with momentum. You want to you want to generate momentum for your team. So, if you can look at individual moments in a game where you have to win a faceoff, those are the moments that I care about. I don't care about the seventy-five thousand faceoffs that get taken in an NHL season. I care about the right. individual moments that I I expect our guys to win or that we've got to give our chance the best team to win those face-offs. And t- that's so for me, I would say they're really important. <laughs> yeah, and I agree. I think when how how they track face-offs in the NHL can be very yeah. misleading because not every face-off is equal. And it's almost like the quarterback rating. They've really changed it at key moments at certain times and maybe almost eliminate the, some of the neutral zone face-offs potentially. And is that something you think when you track – and you're gauging face-offs, there is definitely certain ones that are more important than other face-offs on the ice. Well, I guess to answer the first part of the question, you're right. In the, in the 30 league, or thirty arenas in the league, or 31 now, you have 31 different sets of a standard of what a face-off win is. <laughs> sure. And then even inside those arenas, yeah, if it's game number one, the guy who's working or the woman who's working on game number one might not be the same person on game number 30. So that stuff changes. So to me, that that's where the data for me, I never pay attention to the NHL data. Not even one time do I look at it all year. I don't pay it any attention. I, I worry about our tracking. So the constant variable on the face-offs for me is me. So we, we teach our sentiment to worry about how we do it. So we don't do anything... Uh, to give our centerman advantage in a win or loss. And even the data we have, it stays internal anyway. But they've come to trust that that's what's important for us. So some days it might even be negative to what the NHL might post on. I don't know. I don't I don't really pay attention. But as far as, like, you know, changing up how they do it uh, league-wide, I think face-offs aren't the only part that need to be addressed there. They need to have a standard for all the data that they track. But I don't know how they would do it because – because of those variables I just mentioned, it, well, it, it'd be almost too hard. Well, and you even talk about like a hits. I mean, God, you can yeah. have a, you can you can go through a game and throw five good hard hits and come zero, and then another game you can play yeah. the eggs in your pockets and you get five hits. It is it is so misleading. And the problem is that people use this for well, some you know the contract negotiations are saying, look, we weren't hitting this game or we we're hitting that game. And yeah, as a yeah. player, sometimes and you know this, you're like, well, we were very physical, but it didn't show up on that NHL stat. I think it's that they think that's the problem I have because as you say, a hit to one guy is not a hit to someone else. Well, go even shots. I mean, I know goalie oh. coaches. Uh, those guys go bonkers. Like just, just uh, 
sitting in there and tracking shots, and all of a sudden, you know, some guy dumps a puck in on a line change, and it's a sure. great A scoring chance, you know, and then it's you know some guys in the slot, he tees one off, and you know there's no shot. So I mean that 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 part of stuff, I think most teams now with the resources allocated to their own analytics, most teams track that stuff themselves. Uh, Todd, at this conference, for uh, for people that are maybe, uh, you know, listening and curious about, hey, I want to step in there, uh, you know, there's Gullitson, yourself, and Ray Frauer goes down the list, uh, Smith and many other ones. As a coach yourself, so you present yours, and then I'm getting, are you, like, how many notepads are you taking for all of the other coaches? <laughs> Well, luckily at these uh, these conferences, they they've figured out pretty fast that the that the users are the most important part of it, and and by the users, I mean the people who are attending. So they give them uh, access to stuff on a cloud, or they give them you know memory sticks and pass out books. So it's the actual taking notes and stuff. I think uh, they've stepped that up a bit, where they give you everything. Um, I know that obviously people are sit there and they and they listen to you and, and they write their own notes. I usually write questions. And then the questions I would have would be if I would have a chance to see, like, you know, Jimmy Pack is speaking or Jamie Compon from the Jets is speaking too, and I would have a chance to go and say to him, hey, what, what are we talking about specifically here? What exactly is, a, you know, a hinge? Or, you know, what, whatever the questions might be on someone presenting on defenseman habits or whatever. So I've always found that the best uh, way of learning is the conversation part of stuff. So when people can come up to you afterwards and, and ask you informally and and there's always time there there's always time like we always hang around and they usually have a little round table and they have a social and people can always come up and ask you stuff and and again it uh, share ideas too somebody might come up and say i got this idea about a face-off or i got this idea about you know a d uh collecting a puck or whatever so it, it you do learn a lot when you're there too now, uh, you know, last year, I believe you worked with uh, Wade Flaherty. He was your goaltender yeah. coach there with uh, yeah, the... He goes, bonkers. he goes bonkers pretty good on the uh, on the shot clock. Oh, yeah. he, he I, I played his uh, <laughs> flats, and he would always talk, well, that wasn't a shot, or why didn't I get credit for this shot? But you know what? I have to say, and I wonder if you've had the same experience with flats. A great guy. Um, but when I played with him, he was the first goalie ever to tell me this this one that because he was having supper one night and he had a lot of dessert. He goes, "Stretty, a chubby goalie is a happy goalie." And I wonder <laughs> if he does he have that same same uh, type of talk with his goalies that uh, you guys have there with the Jets. I think if he said that, he might have some uh, some trouble from our nutritionist and our strength guy. So if he does that, that probably goes in the uh, goaltender privilege. He wouldn't share that with me. But I know spending so much time with him, he's. Uh, he likes to have uh, so much fun, and, and his goalies especially. Like his relationship with the goalies, which is probably a great lesson for any of the goalie coaches that are listening right there. Like the fact that he's there twenty four seven with those guys, and and uh, is available to them. It's, it's something I actually learned from Wade was to 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 make myself as accessible as possible as I can to the guys that I spend a lot of my time with. So you're lucky to have played with him because I imagine you got some funny stories with him. Oh, he was a great guy. But you know, it's funny. Yeah. I, I kind of got into coaching a little bit higher level hockey this year. Players are going off to junior. And I, you know, I'd, I'd always worked with D-men for the most part. And I didn't realize about halfway through the year how important the relationship between the goalie and D-men are. You know, we mm-hmm. I found that for as a group, we were working a lot uh, with the We had a goalie coach working the goalies. Then I was working with the D, you know, trying to get them to go back and get the puck. But at halfway through, I'm like, you know, we're not talking about that transition between the goalie and the D because there's a lot of interaction that happens very fast. That that interaction, for the most part, I find is a very uh, much under high pressure situation. 
And we don't, I, I found we didn't work on that. I mean, is that something that you guys, you know, I not you specifically, but your team and you're working with flats. Do you guys talk a lot about that exchange? Because that's, that, that's something to me that I, I didn't realize how important it was till I was now all of a sudden coaching. Well, I think defensive zone specific and goalies, uh, of course, like the, how important structure is and how important habits are. So any good team at any good level will talk about stopping and talking and talking the puck out. And the, usually now, uh, teams are encouraged, like uh, opposing teams are encouraged to dump pucks in as quick as they can. So teams want to control the middle of the ice. So trying to deny possession entries. So goalies are usually going to touch the puck first on any kind of a dump. So sure. if your D aren't available for your goalies and they're not talking, they have a they have a miscommunication. And I know I read it in like Elliot Friedman's comments uh, like two weeks ago. He's talking about a goalie who had a had a problem or a challenge trying to communicate all year with his D because he had been with a different team before and had been used to the way that they did stuff and then coming into a new team, he wasn't able to read off the D because he had had six or seven years on a previous team. So I, I thought that was a really interesting comment trying to to come from a goalie's aspect there and to read, hey, you know, I've been used to these guys all along and now this is how these guys collect pucks. So this is this team here I'm playing for. They they have a, a second quick where guys are in to pick up puck quicks and we didn't have that before. So there's a whole bunch of challenges there, but I agree with you too. There's struggles like the the relationship between the D and the goalies talking all the time. That's that's huge, huge, huge. We're we're yelling at them, our guys all the time about it and you throw in uh, things or you have a language problem or uh, sure. guys who are rookies or guys who are quiet. I mean, it makes everything a little bit more challenging. Todd, one last one for me. Of course, uh, you were on uh, Sweden when uh, they won the World Cup uh, as well as uh, the World Championships. And, you know, you've coached all around. What did that experience with Sweden, uh, you talked earlier about just the specifics about defense and their philosophy and not having them ring the puck around the boards. Anything else you've picked up from Sweden that has helped you overall as a coach? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's such an interesting culture there. Like the, the, the relationship between coaches and players in Sweden, it's a, it's a lot different than it is in North America. So for me, that was a little bit of an adjustment. Like I'm used to coming in and telling players what we want them to do. In Sweden, the players are involved a lot more in the process. Now, obviously, in the World Cup, you're dealing with guys like Eric Carlson and Hedman and those guys, and you want their opinion on a power play or, you know, system-wise in a short tournament. And in the World Championship, is a very similar thing. We had a very strong, a very strong team, obviously. But for me, it was a it was a an adjustment to to come in and have meetings that the players are also involved in. And I'm sure Struds would tell you when he was there that the players have a lot bigger say and they're involved in meetings and they're involved in planning. So to me, that was an interesting thing. And I, and I thought that was actually a good, uh, a good lesson because as coaches, we're used to just having, this is my voice and this is my opinion, but you're dealing with on your team, you have 23 players who have a different experience set. And if you, if you boil it down, these are the best players in the world. So they're doing stuff in the battle that we're asking them to do as coaches and they're doing it every day and someone's trying to jam a stick down their throat. So their ability to read things and see things and have a different experience set and share it with the coaches in Sweden, I thought that was something that was great. And I thought that was something that maybe we could have a little bit more of in North America, having the players involved in the discussion, the players involved in, 
in uh, the decision-making. Not the final stuff, but I think the voice part of stuff was really interesting. I thought that was great. Well, I think one thing I want to chime in is more days off. I think that's what the guys need. <laughs> well, the CBA, now, now you got that in the CBA. So yeah. it's, uh, Where was that? I was so tired all those years. That's what slowed me down. <laughs> yeah, but when you're land, you're not supposed to go right to the bar. That's the difference. So you're supposed to go home and sleep. Uh, I was icing from the inside out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's John, thanks for joining us. Awesome uh, the, the Team Snap Hockey Coaches Conference. Uh, once again, you can go to uh, hockeycoachesconference.com. Uh, uh, all the information is there. It's perfect for coaches of all levels and uh, designed to be informed and inspired through hearing what other uh, coaches, uh, whether uh, you're in NHL, uh, in Europe, and vast places. We really appreciate uh, you joining us, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hopefully that uh, Jay lets you know the next time he's, he's out coaching sometime. Yeah, he's probably got the funny nose and mustache on hiding in the bushes right now. <laughs> like Connor McDavid's a fast skater or something. <laughs> yeah. McDavid's quick. Wow, he didn't see yeah. that. Yeah, yeah he, he wouldn't tell me that one. So yeah. well, I appreciate the time today, guys. Thanks for having me on. Great and, stuff. Uh, anytime you need me, let me know. Awesome. Thanks, Todd. Take care, gentlemen. Thank you. Todd Woodcroft. Well, that Man, I learned a lot in that. Me too. That like, they're just a philosophy so different from Sweet. And you played there. Yeah. Like, very... Like, do you think that's something that's going to be incorporated more into the NHL? Like it is a big change for a lot of coaches who, if you've come up the whole way and it's so, Hey, we come in guys, this is how we're going to do it. And I'm sure. Is it easier with a younger, with a veteran team of guys who have maybe played in the NHL or should you uh, encourage your young guys to have a voice? What do you think? Well, I think the young players have a much stronger voice than, you know, 20 years ago. Um, I do think that we've seen a change. Greg, I remember when I first entered the league, it was like, this is the way. And then as the time went by, coaches started saying, okay, no, well, you know, you know, this is what we want to do. What do you think, Gregor? Or what do you think? You know, and they'd actually ask. And I, I remember the first couple of times I saw that, I was like, what, this is amazing that someone's actually asking somebody else for their opinion. Um, what know, do you think, Struddy? The game's just so fast. She's <laughs> blurring all we, around me. Can we ask everyone to slow down a little bit? I want to get more days off. Can we make it more like scurfing behind a boat? That's <laughs> what I, I want to just go slow. But you know what? I think it has. I think that has changed. And I, I do think in, when I was in Europe, there was way more involvement. But you look at it like those teams are together a lot all sure. the time. Okay. They're in off season. They're training with the coach. So I think there's a closer relationship. I always felt the NHL was more more kind of head coach and team than in between where the, the, was the, um, the assistant coaches Whereas I think in Europe, because they're together so much, maybe have less coaching staffs. It's more the coaches with the guys a lot more. You're listening to the real life podcast brought to you by fitting Canada, all the parts you need in one place, 1.4 million parts at your fingertips. That's fitting Canada. We will come back with the uh, story time. It's late and you just finished a full day of work. Your equipment is done for the day and tomorrow bright and early, you start all over again. You know what you need to keep it running smoothly, but there's not a break in the schedule to make that happen. With over 1.4 million cat parts at your fingertips on parts.cat.com, getting that part just became easier. Any device, anytime, anywhere. Get what you need, when you need it. Order today, parts.cat.com. The Real Life Podcast returns, brought to you by Finning Canada. The right parts for your equipment at Finning Canada, Gregor Strudwick. And, well, Wanya Gretzka's here, but, man, like, is your, is, man. Your, is your mouth frozen shut? Like, first of all, nothing on me is frozen at the moment. Like, I don't know if it's because you guys are in here for four hours a day and the heat from the sexual tension is just boiling in here. It is hot. 
mamma jamma in this uh, room. Yeah, like, I'm not generally a fan of tension. sitting while idle. I can't imagine what else it is. It's like I'm in a Dude, blast the, furnace. The, the, it's like they can't afford an air conditioner. I have oh. no idea. So I just have gotten used to it. But yeah. So I'm know. sitting there and, and that, you know, coach is talking. And I, I kind of felt like I was an athlete there for a brief moment, even though my you know, best athletic achievements, probably like grade six intramural volleyball. And I'm sitting there and coach is talking about nothing that I can understand at least. And it's in English and the hot air is wafting on me. You ever see strads when you go into like a long coaching session, like some sure. poor bastard just nods oh, yeah. off or the Finnish guy doesn't understand anything like, Oh, Pat Quinn, Pat Quinn. Um, he loved the long meetings, loved the long meetings. And uh, I remember one time we, we you know, Lubavir Viznovsky sat beside me in the dressing room, yeah. right beside me. We are near the front of the room. It was, it was, I believe it was, um, uh, what's the Russian goal that we had here? I can't think. Shlenkov? No, no. Brzgala. Uh, no, no, no. The, the one <laughs> when I was there for. Pokey Reddick. The Berlin Wall. Habi Bulin. then me, or yeah. sorry, then, yeah, Habi Bulin, then me, and then uh, Viznovsky. Lubo, yeah. And we were, and, and, and Pat is like three feet away from us. And he goes on around the room and he's talking about uh, the trap and all this stuff. And then he gets kind of worked up and he's like, you know, we got to play hockey. Like the Philly, Philadelphia Flyers played hockey, like Bobby Clark, like a warrior. And he's yelling and Luby just weird, just comes over to my ear and past still talking. He's like, who is the Bobby Clark? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm like, he was a warrior. And uh, <laughs> like when I imagine a coach's speech, who I imagine is Bobby Clark. No, seriously. No, he said, who is the Bobby Clark? That's what he said. I'm like, uh, the Bobby Clark is a very good player. <laughs> when I imagine a coach's speech, I imagine like it's super tense and they're kicking no, garbage cans. That's movies. No. I, but doesn't like, happen like I was that. shocked to hear like how many hours a week would you sit through in the average week of someone talking at that high level of like there are 70,000 face-offs in the league and I don't pay uh, attention to data that I didn't generate. But see, I, I think what what I I'll give Mark Crawford a lot of credit when I went to play for him for those number or he came to, to our to team I was on. What I loved specifically Mark, to coach you, I was told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to just like to bring it <laughs> in to mentor Strudwick, like Phil Jackson going to work yeah, with Shaq exactly. and Kobe. And but what I loved about it is that he had two. He had Mike Johnson, who's who's gone on to coach in the NHL, still coaching, and uh, Black Jack McElhardy. Jack McCarty was a great player. I ironically played for the Philadelphia Flyers. Probably a fake name. We don't have time to look it up on the fly, but I doubt anyone's called Black Jack McCarty. No, his name was Jack McCarty. For some reason, Black called Jack. Black Jack McCarty. So anyways, for hours a week, they'd be hitting you with that level of data. Yeah, but you know what's funny is after practice sometimes on the road, Jack McCarty, he would come and shower with us, and he was an older guy. He was like 60 years old. The so perks of the job. He, he wasn't too He wasn't too in good shape. I'd always pretend my eyes were burning. I'd be like, ah! My eyes are burning. My eyes are burning. <laughs> he would be so upset because, you know, like imagine in 20 years, we're all going to look like that. Oh, my God. It wasn't he was really out of shape. He was just, you know, he was just kind of out of shape. A normal guy with professional athletes. I was just, I was like, ah, my eyes, my eyes, someone get the trainer. And he would just lose it. But anyways, um, what was that job? Oh, yeah, Mark Crawford. <laughs> and what Mark Crawford would do is that he would only do some of the big chats. So um, like the morning talk where you go through penalty kill power play. And even the pregame talk uh, would be like in the morning would be from an assistant coach. Mm. So it's a different voice. So when he came up to the podium, it was like, oh man, we better listen. This is a big deal. And I think far too often, some coaches just talk all the time. And after a while you lose it, you lose that. So when I look at a guy like Mike Babcock, and I'd be interested to hear from some of his players, I'm assuming that when he, he always kinds of keeps his assistant coaches fresh, you know, rotating guys through. I would think those guys have a, a great deal of, like vocal input to the players to keep it fresh. And I think that's what, that, that is what, if I was a head coach, it's hard to let that go, but you have to trust your assistants. And I, I think that was a great move by Mark Crawford. And I think that that makes you last longer as a coach. 
Well, I learned today that besides the absence of physical skill, if I had to sit through meetings like that every day, I would have like the Homer Simpson half ping pong ball things in with the dots and stuff like that, because that is some high level stuff. Like that's like listening to Willis uh, reincarnated into a guy who's actually like involved in the game. Like that was a heavy, heavy play. You're jumping into it. Like that is about as very high level kind of hockey. Oh, it was over my head. It wasn't boring. It was just over my head. Yeah. But imagine if it'd be similar for me if you sit down and just talk to me about you know, whatever space travel, like I get it on a very Stuff high level, but I've yeah, never, I've yeah. never been through it. Yeah. So I, I, I found it really, and I, that, that conference would be amazing. Like oh, I hope yeah. they have a conference like no, that I in would, Edmonton. Trust me. I've been talking to the organizers. I'm like, bring that to Edmonton. Oh, it, it would be fantastic. But do you see how many, there was, I believe two or three um, speakers specifically on defensemen. One was presented by Richard Mapichuk. Another one's by Brad Shaw and Richard Mapichuk was a long time NHLer. And I believe his title of his was uh, puck retrieval and passing for defensemen. I, I would go crazy for that. You know, there, there might be an hour, there might be 55 minutes. I know everything or not. I, I, I'm familiar with what he's saying, but that five minute juice would be amazing to see how, what he says about it, because everyone's got a different way of doing it. And I, and I agree when, when, when Todd was talking about this idea of, you know, learning from other people and stealing, it is true because no one's, you know, I don't think anyone's reinventing the no, game of I- hockey. But, you know, the skill sets, yeah. they're there. Yeah, you have to evolve and, and look at different things. And I would love to get the coaches oh. on. And I'd like to sit there and say, why are coaches so focused on encouraging players to block shots as much as they do now? Is that really maximizing the skill set of players? Oh, to, and, and is it worth risking injury to Eric Carlson when you have right. a goalie with three times as many equipment on him? Yeah. But why? it's 100%. It's why? 100% it's a good decision. You have to get in the way of the shooting lanes. And, you, you know, I think... At times, you feel like it's just come up the last couple of years. Guys have been blocking shots for a long time. Everyone gets in front of standing. Not heard, to this extent. I man. heard always get in the lane. Get in sure, the lane. Sure, you get in the lane. But, but now it's but get, more prevalent than ever. And it was no. not. I don't ever recall the forwards to the extent that they block shots. Well, now. Kelly Buckbar used to drop on his knees third, in front yeah, of the sure, guy. Yeah, sure. Third line guys. And they would do a lot more on penalty kill than anywhere else. But still, that's that's still blocking shots. But because let me tell you something. One of the, you look at now the way guys have to get through. They have to get through that fort who's now lining up with the stick. So you line up with the stick. That deters a shot, right? So right away now I'm standing at the blue line. That deters my shot. I am either a going to not shoot or b I'm going to miss the net. That's a big advantage for any team. The second layer would be the guy, the defenseman. Defenseman used to be battling in front and used to be chopping wood, uh, like your buddy Dallas Akins used to say. You're my buddy. But now what they do is they step in front of the guy to block that shot as well. Now there's two layers you have to get through. So imagine how hard it is to get shots through from the point. Okay, so here's the thing. Changing. Why not? Do you spend as much time working on getting the shots through from the point or blocking the shots? Oh, the guys work on it a lot getting through. Even with my groups, we work it out. When I work okay. with that group, we work on getting those shots through all the time. But just think about it. you. You. It's like when in 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 football. They say, get your hands up on the line. Why do they do that? Just to change the angle of the yeah, guy. Yeah, but you're can not pass. risking the guy being injured forever. That's my point of it. Like, you see guys shooting the puck now. I don't need to see the Connor McDavid's, the Patrick Kane's, yeah. the Sidney Crosby's of the world but blocking, those guys aren't blocking a shots. lot of shots. They're not blocking shots. Let's be honest. Playoffs Eric Carlson, there. is he the best defenseman in the league? He's one of the top ones. Okay, second most blocked shots. I don't need to see that. Right, from but, him. Okay, I how, need to see it from the third. No offense. I need to see it from the Jason Strudwick to the oh, NHL. Oh, trust me. I did. Yeah, and I've I wins every time. Sure, that's my but, point. But why do you need to see it from those okay, guys? But let me ask you this. Um, when you're when you're blocking shots, what percentage of injuries come from blocking shots? Like for number of incidents come off it. Eric Carlson blocked how many shots? 200 this year? Sure. Any injuries? 
well, not to Carlson, but let's go back right, to but just look at how many guys wise. have blo- broken their hands lately because now they get down to block shots and they're down on their knees. I agree. They shouldn't go down. Hey, I have but, no problem But that's, that. that's the evolution of it. It's like, oh, you're not committed. But if you're not down on your knees as a fort. No, no. I don't think the equipment start to evolve because go. everybody is blocking shots. No. You think in 10 years will be everybody yeah, but that, look like But no. that's not making the game better. Who's that guy that's, from Dallas had yeah. the giant shin But that's, a, that's, that's not making the game better. That's the evolution of the game, though. Well, see, that's where I disagree. So hockey's evolving to do everything defensively. Where's the evolution offensively? Okay, but buddy, they are the, the offensive players are better than they've ever been. With all due respect to anyone who played the offensive play, the, the plays the guys Ooh. make, it's never been. Maybe you're the, telling me may, it's never been faster. A, 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 Okay, but struts faster guys can get to a position, but it doesn't mean that they're more accurate shooters. It doesn't mean that they make better plays. It's because you have guys now, uh, you have a bunch of players who are the, I, I agree. The elite of the elite are, are better. I yeah. have no discount on that. The problem is the middle and the bottom. They no. just skate really fast and get into lanes. How many times you see a guy wide open in the slot and he's missing the net? Constantly, or, he's in, or how many times do we see a goalie come down, yeah. a guy come down the wing, and he hits the goalie right in the freaking chest protector? Well, that's that's not his fault. There's nowhere to shoot. You you come out on the ice and you look at hey, a guy but, down what, what's his the crouch. Dr- well, yeah, but everybody talks about shoot the pad. So why are you shooting in the breadbasket? What is the point of coming across the blue line f- and, and taking a wrist shot that the goalie yeah. catches in his chest, right in his chest, and, and sits down? Nothing. When Mark when Mark Messi used to come down the wing, you see him shoot that far side shot. Yeah, you saw net. Now you go down, you don't even see. You don't yeah. even see the okay, back well, behind the That's because equipment's net. terrible, sure. Right. And but, but but the other thing is, where is the when we see evolution in the game? How come all the other sports are evolving offensively, but not hockey? Because the players have gone so fast. And I'll answer your one question: you said, why do you guys miss in the slot? Because there's no time. There's zero okay, time you, to get a shot off. So you're saying football players and basketball players aren't faster than they used to be? Of course they are. I think, but their sport is evolving because they make a conscious. Just like Todd told us in Sweden, guess what? You yeah. do not yell at your defenseman. It's okay. not allowed if because here in the NHL and yeah. in hockey in general in Canada, it's become safe place, safe place, safe place. Just get the puck out, get the puck out. We're, we're, we would rather win a game two to one right. than win a game four three. That's the I, I, philosophy I of hockey. That, but that's hey. winning. What's more important? How is that evolving the game? It's devolving the game. I disagree because the players are so fast and skilled now. One small error can turn into a massive. A massive problem. Yeah, but no, we're talking a philosophy that is devolving the game of hockey. You just admitted it's become more defensive oriented. Coaches would rather, and they're taught at young ages. I listen to parents and coaches are, oh, right. geez, we don't want to give up scoring chances. God forbid if a kid takes a chance and misses a pass because he just could have dumped it off the boards and out. So I'm sorry, but evolving when it's all about safe play, safe play, isn't because the players are faster. It's because everybody focuses on winning and not making mistakes. Okay, but That's you, not evolving. You can't talk about both young players in NHL. In the NHL, anything from junior up, it's all about winning. I'm sorry. It's about winning games. So so how can other sports evolve and they still win? Because the the speed with which the players have gone faster and the goalie's gone but better so than basketball, NHL. Basketball bigger, stronger, faster. It's not just the NHL's not the only athlete in the right, world but that's I, faster. But let me just finish my thought. Those guys have gone so much faster, the players, like people aren't studying running faster in basketball. They're not jumping that much higher. But in hockey they are. And so there's no room to make plays. There's zero space out there. You the don't think they're make, jumping higher in basketball? Uh, is it is, is are, okay, let's say this. Is um, the fastest player in the NHL today faster than the person 20 years ago? Yeah, and so is in the NBA. Yeah, but not not as big a gap. Like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, they could all jump I, I, in the see, 80s. I'll disagree. The fastest guy in the NHL in the 80s is basically the Mike Gartner. The only difference is the bottom level players have gotten faster. Right. The elite guys aren't that much faster. 
But so, so they're, well, yeah, I, I think, but they're all so much tight. There's no room to make plays. The NBA, the game's still the same. What, what's changed? No, well, the game's changed a lot. They've evolved. You just shoot threes. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's so a three-point shooting contest. You don't, but the game's evolved to be more exciting, and people watch it. All I'm saying is I think hockey has gotten so set in their ways and they're so defensive-oriented that it has yeah. not become a game that's evolved offensively. It's evolved defensively. Great. Let's block shots from every angle. Let's get okay. everybody on well, the ice in front of the lanes. How do you suggest you well, change it? Todd's Don't just I, tell me teaching no, guys offense because no, they all have offense. Well, I, I would put as I would put as much focus on offensive creativity as I would on defensive zone coverage. Number one, I watch hockey practices. You were part of them. Yeah. You admit there's not nearly as much time spent on on creating drills or plays in right. the offensive zone as there is defensive zone. Is that fair? But that's on the individual. That should be on the individual. We had Colin Preco on your show. Uh, this week, and he's going to work just on a shot for an hour. Yeah. Why isn't everybody no, no, doing that? But, but no, but I'm talking as a group, as a unit. The coaches yeah. teach how you play defensively as a unit. They uh, rarely teach as much how you attack offensively as a unit. Is that fair? You they, even talk they, about they, it. They, they talk about it more on the rush, yeah, and down low. But yeah. I, I understand what you're saying, but because that's not a necessarily a team concept. What generally teams do is they say, "This is our defensive structure." You add lib and Fords. Skill guys want to add lib. Sure, I don't discount yeah. that, but. I okay. just look at the game, and I don't feel that hockey has evolved that much other than faster to me isn't an evolution of the strategy of the game. It's just the speed factor. Okay. Well, right? you know, we got to get some different guests on to talk about because I, I think it's a good conversation. Yeah. We're, we're not that far off of what we're saying to each other, but I think we, what we need to figure out is the solution. Is there a solution? Yeah. Well, we could ban some things. Like I thought I was stunned when Woodcroft told us that they in Sweden, you are not allowed to yell at kids. I, I, I love that. I was so, and it's, it's almost like, oh my God, that's alien to think that because here it's like, oh, if you don't make the right play, they're yelling at kids and the right play isn't always the safe play. And I think at times in hockey now, yeah. the safe play has trumped everything. And I have an issue with it. Okay. I like, we should tie your wrist together and we should give you each like a nail with like dirt on it so you can stab each other. Like, no, no wonder it's, it's 80 degrees in this room. Like, you guys are getting ready to hit each other with shoes. Not like, at all. UN delegates in the 60s. This is outrageous. No, I, think I think it's a good conversation. Was it I mean, UN delegates or wasn't it like the uh, the Chinese where they was, take the shoes? Khrushchev. He went to the Mike UN Nobre. and smashed his shoe on the thing. Uh, no, but great. at the end of the day, you know, we, we all love hockey. Very we, different we, angles, though, I'm starting to learn. Very different angles. We want to see it. Yeah, and I, I yeah, Struds is more defensive oriented yeah, and more offense. There's no doubt about that. Struds is a professional athlete and you no, yell no. people on the radio all day long. No, see, but, see, right there, you, you totally made like a most ignorant comment. No offense. But I think it's I, ignorant. It doesn't add anything no, it doesn't, to the equation. It doesn't. I and agree guys who played doesn't mean they understand the game automatically. I know, better. Buddy, I'm no. just bugging you. But, but I think what we can say is that there's different elements we like about the game of hockey. Like not just everyone. And and I do like offensive play, I like defensive play. But I think we want the game to be better. What I would suggest for blocking shots, just start with you can't go down. Oh, I'd you can't. And I, that's sure. to me. I've, I think that was suggested by um, um, the Montreal GM, not Mark Bergman, but the guy before that, really good hockey player, uh, also at Dallas. Oh my God, I can see his Bob Gainey. Bob Gainey suggests that a number of years ago, and I think you don't go down on your knees. 
And I think that's step one. I would love it, sure. Cantley, I, I have I think no problem. Should, I think should never be able to lay down for a block shot. And that I think that would change a lot of it and get rid of some injuries. I have no problem with that at all. And I do think, for the record, Greg, just because I'm making fun of you because I was entertaining myself because I didn't say anything for 45 minutes you and did. it's hotter in here than it is in my oven at home. I, don't even think I think it's that the hot more in here today. I know, I know the what your smarter, is. No, it is. Well, like, maybe I'm further away. I don't well, know what it is, but well, very you're hot. You're also wearing here. tight jeans. jeans tightest yeah, jeans. But listen, good. let me get my sentence out. Let me say something. I'm paid by the word. Yeah. I think that the fact that this many intelligent people are getting involved in sports when you hear a guy say like we have our own set of data analysts because we don't trust the nhl the more human capital involved in the game the more tacticians thinking about it it is a very ignorant thing to say if you haven't played the game you don't understand it because i do think in 2017 that some of the most knowledgeable people of sport haven't actually played the game professionally and there's a lot of players at the same time who have played the game that don't absorb one eight hundredth of somebody else who's like a data guy i think playing the game to a certain level Definitely helps. There's no arguing that. Yeah. Um, After that, it's comprehension. You, you, it, it's a variety things. of things. Yeah. And, and you don't have to be an NHL player. You no. could have played to junior. Yeah. You could have played to midget because yeah. you still get a basic concept of the game because some people just physically aren't good enough. If ability right? to coach was equated to skill, Gretzky would have been the greatest coach in the history of the NHL, yeah. right? 100%. No. Well, I, I have no idea. We just said it. Understand one word. So now Wayne, we're even for the day. What? No, the prior to that. Oh my goodness. Oh, I'm sorry. That was a rude comment. Just oh, make it funny because I've been sitting <laughs> oh. here for five minutes oh. and talked. Oh my god. I, I, I think word. that was a great chat. No, it was. No, it was. Good. It was. No, it was a good chat. All well, Todd, thank you for that. Uh, no, Woodcroft. Woodcroft. That was really yeah. good. We got to get more coaches on like that. That's George Kingston now. Todd, yeah. we've had on. Yeah, we got well, buddy. You should have a Rolodex. You played for 19 yeah, different no organizations. Don't you know like most of the like, league on really? a first name basis? I thought yeah. you were a good guy in the room. Like yeah, when your coaches want to talk, going on there. or do you on. just not want to have them come yeah. on and tell a story story? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And I think Todd's uh, just one last word here. The Todd's scouting report. I mean, that, that I think was, he was just just for our listeners. I don't. He was just pretty, having fun. Was he pretty accurate on that? He was just having a good time. What are you talking about? The Zamboni going over my divots? Come on, Todd. <laughs> I put a prop <laughs> offer there of being in the well, Bulgarian uh, Holly Hockey Hall of Fame, and you immediately went NHL Hall of Fame. So that outrageous. was yeah, it was outrageous, Todd. Well, him but and uh, Niedermeyer were in the Hungarian Hall of this Fame. This is what I thought for press conferences. Oh, for the two the two dudes. most hungover guys and the yeah. two most. Uh, stung by bumblebees at a If there was a Hungarian Hockey Hall of Fame, which there may be, I we would might. like to think there's a there's a wing for you, Strads, well, or like at least like a special room off to the side with your hair in a jar. My cousin ate his way through Hungary. He put on <laughs> probably 25, 30 up. pounds. Oh my, like seriously, first time I saw that picture, I was like, wow, Stra- did you and Niedermar, did you guys through like yeah. go through Nutty a professor hornet? makeup was there, like, on? a hornet's nest outside before <laughs> you walked no, into the presser? I was in good shape. I was still good, but he was chubby. Oh. He was he a goalie? No, but he got it. He hurt his, yeah. They still he, keep your pants in the Hungarian Hockey Hall of Fame, I he, heard. He got it. He actually hurt his eye. We went to this hospital that looked like a janitor's closet. And I was so scared. I'm like, oh, my God, I hope his eye's okay. Like, God, whatever. I'll stop doing something. And then he was okay. <laughs> and he was gone. And he was okay. He came back, and he was okay. But that night, I put the team on my back and carried him to a victory. And I'm actually being dead serious. <laughs> we'll end on Why are you guys laughing? No, I, I, you know, I, I, I finally, I, I, I'm, finally I'm just so happy to have understood 10 words in this podcast in a row that I'm just having a great time we'll now. Have to hey, you, you have a week now because I will yeah. tell you for sure. Yeah. Yes. Next week. Yeah. Jordan Everly. And you got excited. You I'm going to bring I 10 that, or 15 electric I, I, fans in here. So I'm like in a JLo wind tunnel in one of her videos. I think, it was, I think your reaction was kind of like a pre- Podcast yeah. ejaculation almost yeah. is what you. You have. know oh, we're not allowed to say ejaculation and Jordan Everly within a minute of each other because of that lawsuit. Disgusting. We can't say that. We. I never yeah. had a lawsuit. Yeah. You. Yeah, you've got your own issues. It's a real I life w- podcast brought to you by Finning Canada. Struds, Wanye.
Cheers. You can. T- we know we won't get an award next yeah. week. Oh yeah, Go that's ahead. true. That's true. And seriously, if you get all googly eyed, yeah, over Everly, yeah. we'll be disappointed. You'll be you, disappointed. You, you have had six years, yeah, to plan how you're going to talk to your first boy crush yeah. as a player, and then yeah. the one that you dumped. Yeah. Very quickly wow. for McDavid. So you Don't have bring a that up. Don't yeah. embarrass me in front of Jordan. Of course, we're going to do not bring that up. He feels bad enough. He got traded. No, one, no, we'll bring it up. He's going to be like, wow. I remember one time at a TV studio where I made a sign for yeah. Wanya Gretz, mm-hmm. and then two years later, man, just dumps me like. I remember dinner. one time writing him a birthday letter, like article, and a police officer in Edmonton legitimately emailed me and was like, ha, 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 that's so funny. You really don't have a restraining order, though, right, that you keep mentioning? And I was like, no, man, I'm just kidding around. Like, these are just jokes. He's like, I enjoy the site. Carry on. Let's bring Jeez. that up. Creep. Hope it's cooler that day, too. It's well, yeah, yeah, over here. yeah, you won't complain about it. Bring a- Drinking a hot coffee. I brought the boys ice drinks. That was nice of me. Good Never I, brought that thank up. You. That, that was very nice of you. Thanks. We signed thank off you. five minutes ago. Thanks, by yeah, the way. we did. Yeah, yeah, no one's been listening for no. the last two minutes. I, would, I wouldn't listen. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.